Welcome to the Curious Hope Podcast, where we wrestle with hard topics and hidden questions and search for hope together. My name is Pastor J.D. Croft. I am the teaching and young adult pastor here at Blue Mountain Community Church. And with me today, we got Pastor Nate Bowling back in the building. Thanks for being here. Anyways, we are in our episode two of our series, Christian Catchphrases. So last week, we looked at responses to tragedy. This week, we're going to be talking about words of encouragement. And encouragement is uh, in quotation marks. But before we get to that, I want to I want to point out something funny. So as after we recorded our first episode and released it, it was hilarious. So I listened through it, right? And I noticed right at the end, I said something. I said, I think I said, have a blessed day. And, and Pastor Nate, you know me. Do I sound like that normally? Absolutely not. No. So these <laughs> doing this podcast, it's having the opposite effect on me. It's like I'm thinking about it, and it's these Christian catchphrases are infiltrating my brain. So anyways, uh, you got to watch out. But <laughs> it was a, a funny moment. You never know when it'll strike. You never know when it will strike. So, yeah, it's a, that was a, a moment of embarrassment for me. For sure. Anyways, this is the second episode and these words of encouragement. So these are the catchphrases we're dealing with today. You ready? Well, let's hear them. God will never give you more than you can handle. Mm. Got a second one right here. It is, have you given it to the Lord yet? Oh my gosh. And then our third one is, just let go and let God. And I remember mm. you had said that one before when you were talking about the bumper stickers that you saw around town. Uh, that one's really popular. I think I've seen that on a sign or two in Hobby Lobby. You know. Oh the, yeah, for sure. The ones that look all fancy and nice, and you hang up in your bathroom and yeah, yeah, or your kids' room, or your little kids nursery. Room. Let go, let God. Yeah, it's it's a tragedy. Yeah. So these catchphrases, uh, they're part of this words of encouragement because normally we hear these when we're going through. Uh, a time of whether you want to call it struggle, temptation, or you're wrestling with an addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when, at least in my life, I've heard these phrases before. Uh, I'm going to share a story of how it's happened in my life, but then I'd love to hear where you've heard these phrases mm-hmm. before. So uh, if you, growing up, did you ever go to one of those Christian Bible camps or one of those Christian like summer retreats? Oh. Absolutely. <laughs> I know that you go on them now uh, as the youth pastor, but like you, I grew up in the church. And so I went on, uh, I think every single summer, you know, I went on one of these Christian retreats. And it was funny because I remember one specifically. I was in high school. I think I was a freshman or sophomore in high school. I was living in Colorado at the time, and we went on this retreat to California. Uh, so it was a beautiful place, an awesome retreat. But then uh, what happens, we get there, you know, it's by the beach, we're having a good time, Uh, the whole youth group is there. But, like, as I'm sure you know, at almost every single Christian retreat, it got to the day, and it's normally about the middle of the week, maybe towards the end of the week, where they split the guys. Oh, (laughs) yeah. You're smiling at me. (laughs) Yes. You're smiling at me right now, because you know know exactly how it is. They'll split the guys Mm -hmm. and girls apart, and they're going to have... The talk. The talk. The talk. Oh, yeah. What the talk is, as every young man and uh, young lady also, we don't want to just say this is something that men deal with. Women deal with it also. It's the lust talk. Absolutely. So anyways, I I remember being in high school. 
Um, and I got this, had gotten this talk once or twice before when I was in middle school, but it didn't really, you know, hit me uh, yet. But in high school, uh, and as a high schooler, you know, raging hormones, and then getting this talk uh, from these Christians, you know, these pastors and these people leading the conference who definitely meant well. Oh, their, for sure. Their intentions were well, but they were telling me that uh, when you struggle with lust, don't worry, God will never give you more than you can handle. And so I'm sitting there, you know, as a teenager, <laughs> thinking, wow, so God's not going to give me more than I can handle. That's easy. That solves it, right? Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. You're good to go. Uh, anyways, that's not how life works um, at all. And it definitely left a bitter taste in my mouth. And it caused me to struggle with a lot of guilt over the rest of my life. I'm thinking that, well, if God's not going to give me more than I can handle, maybe I just suck at handling things because mm. I'm still struggling with addiction or I'm falling into yeah. temptation or I'm uh, having a rough time. So anyways, that hearing those words, hearing that, that phrase in high school, it might have seemed you know, like it wasn't that significant, but it really was for me because it was at such a formative point of my faith. Uh, and it caused me to feel those... Uh, those feelings of guilt and helplessness mm. because also I, I remember once or twice you know when, whenever the talk came to sex and stuff like that having pastors not just say God will not give you more than you can handle but also hey have you given it to the Lord yet mm. with the assumption that if I when I do give it to the Lord then I'm not going to struggle anymore yeah uh, yeah have you ever heard any of these catchphrases in your life pastor name sadly yes and mom I know you're out there listening and I just want to apologize. I know you have the best of intentions. I love you. But I heard a lot of these from my mom growing up. And I don't have like a specific story. Um, I just, I got it a lot from her. Of like when things were harder, uh, have you given it to God? Well, mom, what do you mean have I given it to God? Do you mean I've have I prayed about it? Well, yeah, I've prayed about it. But it hasn't solved anything. And I think there's an expectation that's put on when someone says, have you given it to God? There's an expectation that like there's going to be an answer afterwards. Or that's how it felt for me of like, oh, if I give it to God, you know, I'm going to get an answer one way or the other. But in those moments, I didn't. So... It was more like wrestling with, like, what does it mean to actually give it to God? What does it mean to let go and let God? Like, they're, they're, I understand some of the, like, ideas behind them. But, like, and, like, also, I mean, J.D., you have studied the Bible. You have studied Scripture, as have I. Have you ever read anywhere in the Bible that it says God will not give you more than you can handle. Well, that's uh, actually, we're going to talk about that just in a sec. It, that phrase, God will not give you more than you can handle, is just a slight misrepresentation. There's something very similar uh, in 1 Corinthians that I want to look at in just a second. Uh, but those exact phrases, not even close. That's that. That's my point. Yeah, it's not there. And like, even though, like, again, mom, love you, I know that, my mom had the best of intentions in saying all these things, but like when you go and actually dig into scripture, some of this these phrases that we tell others 
aren't actually biblical. Mm. And so it's kind of like, where in the world did we get these ideas and concepts from? Mm. And it's uh, it sort of plays along, as I was thinking about this and thinking about these phrases, it really plays into the pit, what, what I wrote down, pick yourself up by the bootstraps attitude. Uh, that's something that Christians do have a lot. A lot of Christians, we tend to have this uh, air of superiority where, you know, you are responsible for you and, you know, make sure that you fight sin, that you fight temptation, that you fight addiction and that you can do it. You're strong. Uh, have you encountered that kind of attitude in the church at all? Oh, Everywhere. Well, where do you? Why do you think that that's made its way into the church? If, like you said, it's not biblical, why? Why do you think Christians have this sort of "you can do it, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps" attitude? I think it all comes down to the idea that we've turned Christianity into a self uh, religion, like where it's like God is going to isolate you and help you. Um, it's very individualistic, and whereas Christianity is 100% supposed to be community and about community, not just the individual. And I think that our society has poured into a lot of the individualistic parts of that. And so, like, yeah, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. You're the one that has to deal with this and kind of making it feel like you're by yourself as well. Mm -hmm. Which, if we read anywhere in Scripture, we're not supposed to keep it to ourselves. Yeah, and it's almost like that that individualism, it applies. I think it also has to do with a misconception of sin. Yeah. So it's like you have your struggles in life, whatever they are, uh, and that is totally your problem. And it's between you and God. And so you surrender it to God, and then it should get better because you can work on your sin. But in reality, when we look at Scripture, uh, I'm, I'm leaning away there because I, I grabbed my Bible. When we look at Scripture, sin, it's not, we think of sin as like actions, like things that, oh, we did this wrong, that's a sin. We mm -hmm. did that wrong, that's a sin. But when we look at the Bible, when we look at Scripture, sin, it tends to be something that's a little deeper than that. It's not just something we do, but it's like... The it's motive a, behind it. Yeah, it's a part of almost our DNA. Yeah. Uh, the, that concept of original sin that, you know, after Adam and Eve's fall, we all have this sinful part uh, of ourselves that we can't really get away from. Uh, and so I, I wrote down, I'm going to read it real quick, Romans 5, 12. Uh, that reminded me, therefore, so this is what it says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, in death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. And so like you were talking about that, the pick yourself up by the bootstraps attitude, a lot of it comes from that individualisticness that, oh, you know, I'm not struggling with what they're struggling with, so they're sinning more than me, so mm -hmm. I'm sort of better than them or I'm closer to God than them. But in reality, like we just read in Romans, we all have this sort of inherited sin, this inherited fallenness. And so we really shouldn't have that attitude at all. Well, there's also, I mean, another factor in play is like, who wants to be that vulnerable these days? Hmm. Because, I mean, I hate to say it, but in Christian circles, in the Christian world, to be that vulnerable, 
people use it against you mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, which is sad. It's super sad. But I think there's a fear to be that kind of vulnerable because, yeah, we're made to think that we're the only ones struggling with something when we're not. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we have seen when people are fighting addiction mm-hmm. that one of the best things for addiction is a support group, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's proven, like, people are more successful in a support group. And I think it needs to be the same way in Christianity, but, I mean, who wants to be that vulnerable with another person these days? Yeah, I think I saw a TED Talk. Do you know the TED Talk I'm talking about, about addiction? Actually, I haven't seen so that So there one. was a TED Talk on addiction where he was he was talking about that the cure to addiction is closeness. It's intimacy with other people. Because uh, he was talking about what the reason for why a lot of people will get hooked on, say, you know, heroin or fentanyl. But you can get that drug just as strong after you broke your leg. Uh, but he was talking about the reason you don't get hooked on it as often. It still happens. But why it's not as often in the hospital is because a lot of times you're surrounded by your family. You have this closeness, mm-hmm. this intimacy. Uh, and so uh, the TED Talk, I would check it out. Just, just sure. type in YouTube. Go, go look at uh, TED Talk Addiction. Uh, it was fascinating. But yeah, talking about that exact same, same thing, that intimacy was what sort of uh, did away with that. I believe it. I think we've just moved away. Like, ev- like everything we know about the the Jewish scriptures and everything about the Jewish religion, we know that they were constantly in communication with one another about scripture and in just every aspect of their life they were talking about it. And so there really wasn't like stones left unturned, mm-hmm. but we've moved away and we're in this a society where like it is terrifying to be vulnerable with other people. Mm-hmm. And we know that well, too, because we're both pastors. Uh, so the pressure on us to not be vulnerable, at least I've felt that, you know, being a new a new pastor is we have to share that vulnerability of sin because we have it. Uh, but at the same time, when you're in this position of, you know, being a Christian, when you <clears throat> say you're a Christian and you're talking with a friend that's not a Christian, uh, a lot of us, and it's a misconception, but we might think in the back of our minds that if we show that weakness and vulnerability, uh, that we'll be... You know, shedding a bad light on God. Uh, the gospel is actually the exact opposite of that, um, but it's it's hard for us because it's so ingrained in us not mm-hmm. to have that pick yourself up by the bootstraps attitude. So I want to Nate. I want to look at where uh, the phrase came from. So God will never give you more than you can handle, um, and this is a tough one for me because even this Bible verse, uh, it's not it's not the same as the phrase. But this is a tough Bible verse for me. So I'm going to read it. This is First Corinthians. Uh, chapter 10, verses 13. <clears throat> it says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Mm. So, <clears throat> what I've read, when I was you know, looking up this phrase, uh, everyone interpreted uh, this as saying, the phrase is wrong. God will give you more than you can handle in life, but... God won't give you more temptation than you can handle in life. That's what it seems like this Bible verse is saying. But with that being said, that's still a little rough for me to wrap my head around because in my life, it has felt like I've had temptation that's way too hard to deal yeah. with. So what, what are your thoughts on that? How do we wrestle with this? Whew. 
that's a that's a big one. But also, like, I mean, man, there's so many implications in that verse. Like, there's so first off, it it is kind of goes against my view of God and how he interacts in the world. I believe God has given free will for a reason. He doesn't want us to be mindless robots. I don't believe that he puts obstacles in front of us to test us. Mm. And I just don't think that that's how he operates. And so in that verse, it almost feels like there this there's a predestination kind of concept in it. Which kind of goes against what I think, because like God's never going to give you more than more temptation than you can handle. Well, first off, I have to believe that God's even the one putting the temptation there in the first <laughs> yeah. place. Do I really think yeah. that God is putting temptations in front of me? Mm. No, I don't. Mm. I think we live in a broken, fallen world. Well, and here's the thing too: if you can always have a way out of your temptation, what's to prevent someone from being perfect? Then there's no excuse. Exactly. For not always you know doing you would that. never give in to temptation if that were the case mm-hmm. and it happens all the time yeah so yeah like so, i'm addicted to sugar i love sugar <laughs> like what, i can what, eat like candy kind? Drink oh my gosh eating? well both like give me a good fruit juice i'm set give me some like gummies oh love that stuff but like every time i go to the store i'm like okay no juice no gummies, no candy, no nothing. Need to cut sugar out. I always end up leaving with something in that category. <laughs> like, even though I know that I need to stop and I shouldn't, the temptation is too strong to overcome. Mm-hmm. Okay, you could say I have bad self-discipline, whatever. But there's still the temptation for me. Yeah. And I don't walk away a winner. Yeah. And that's the... But according to the, this verse makes it seem like you should. So here, I, I was wrestling with this, Nate, and eventually, because I was thinking, so Paul wrote this. This is in 1 mm-hmm. Corinthians. Uh, Paul sounds really different in somewhere else, and you might you might know where I'm, where I'm headed with this. But to me, it sort of helped me uh, understand where I think Paul is going. Because, you know, this is... This is the Bible. My interpretation of it is not authoritative. Yeah. Um, no one's is. But this this is what I could grab from it. So this is Romans 7, verses 14 through 25, and this is Paul talking. Paul talking about himself. Uh, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but it's the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Just like you with your sugar, right? Yeah. <laughs> for, I, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Okay, so going on, it says, So I find it to be a law that when I do want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And this is what I really resonate with, these last two verses. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So that's it right there. Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul was the one that said God will always give us a way out, Mm -hmm. right? But that's also Paul talking there in Romans. So I, and based on my life experience, it seems like our life experience, sometimes temptation is just too strong to handle. So what is that way out? A lot of people might think it's us choosing the right thing, but it seems to me like we will always have a way out, but that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's not us having to act right, us not sinning. Our way out that we will always have is just giving up and saying, I messed up. Thank you, Jesus, you know, for forgiving me, for offering me that grace. What, what do you think about that? No, I would 100% agree that's how I would see things I think I think for our listeners we need to let you know that we do believe that God can get you out of temptation absolutely we believe that God can rescue you from a difficult situation I'm just not under the impression that God puts temptation in your way to block you or make you hiccup or depend on him more and i think that that's some of the theology behind some of those phrases uh that we're we're talking about today but like we get it we get like the good intentions behind them yeah it's like when when i take myself back to high school hearing these words uh the pastors and the youth pastors were telling me that God is giving you a way out and you just need to try hard enough to stop this addiction or this sin. But in reality, that's not the answer because the the answer would be me then. Uh, If Jesus is our way out, uh, yes, he calls us along this process of, you know, becoming more holy and desiring the flesh less. And Paul talks about that in all of his letters. But if Jesus is our way out, then what we really should be telling people is, God won't give you more temptation than Jesus can handle. Mm. You know, like if you fall under the temptation, Jesus has still got your back because his grace is limitless. And I think if we take that attitude and approach, hopefully it will really ease a lot of guilt because that's, I I know for a fact, because I felt a ton of that guilt as a kid and it has effects into my adulthood. Uh, And we need to stop putting that on people. Yeah, it's... Especially teenagers, man. Mm-hmm. Like that's growing up with some of the baggage, church baggage that I had. I mean, it's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. And I think I understand the the ideas behind like give it to God. God's not going to give you more than you can handle. Like again, like we talked about last week, I think it provo- provokes hope. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are hopeful comments. But what happens when you give it to God and you don't get an answer? Hmm. Like, then you start questioning, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Then after you can't figure out what's wrong with you, then you start blaming God. Mm -hmm. And it just turns, I think that's one of those phrases that, again, had the best intentions. Mm -hmm. But when things aren't going the way that people are telling you that they should or that you think they should, you start questioning even yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's 
what it's meant to do, mm-hmm. but I think that's what inevitably ends up happening. Yeah. Like we say, give it to God with the assumption that God will always miraculously fix things. Exactly. And he does do that sometimes. I have heard stories of people that are miraculously cured from drug addiction Absolutely. or are miraculously healed. God does work yeah. miracles, but he doesn't always work yeah. miracles. He doesn't always do it. Um, and so what do you do with that? What do you what do you do when he doesn't answer and you've given it to him? Mm. That's the that's the tough part. And that's where I think it comes in uh, like Paul is saying, who's going to rescue us from this dilemma, right? We just have to throw ourselves <laughs> at the grace of Jesus. Exactly. There's nothing else we can do. No. Um There's nothing else. <laughs> As far as, uh, so that's, that sort of takes care of the, uh, God will never give you more than you can handle. Yeah, and we touched yeah. on a little bit, have you given it to God also? Um, in saying that God won't always immediately fix things. Sometimes it takes time or he just doesn't fix it, yeah. but he's still giving us Jesus. And, and lastly, the let go, let go, let God, because uh, I want to touch on that lastly, just a little bit. Um, <clears throat> we also say that let go and let God with the assumption sort of in the back of our mind sometimes that God, if we give it to God, he'll sort of do what we want. This is the phrase that I, I do like it, let go and let God, because I think that there there is a really great kernel of truth as long mm-hmm. as, uh, and I've read this and I thought it was really great, if we let go of the outcome that we desire mm-hmm. and then we let God manifest his will. Sure. Uh, and so what that would look That's like. beautiful. Yeah, so what that means is that it's not a let go and let God do what I want. It's a let go of my desires, my trying to fix my sin and temptation, because that's idolatry right there too. When I'm trying to dig my way out of sin, letting go of me trying to always be right and get what I want and just let God do his thing, even if his thing is not what we want it to be. And I think that that phrase, let go, let God, has so much openness to it mm-hmm. that it's left to how people want to interpret it. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, like I'm thinking about like the times that I've heard let go and let God and then kind of the idea of along with that, the give it to God kind of idea too. Like, for instance, I grew up with a brother and a sister and we didn't always get along. It wasn't always happy days in the bowling household. <laughs> and we had our days that we would fight and, like, be mad at each other. And, like, when siblings are kind of your life, especially, like, think about, like, the summertime. Mm-hmm. When, like, you got nothing going on, school's not there to interfere, and it's just you and your siblings. Yeah, a lot, a lot can go down there. And so I remember having my mom say, have you given it to God? Me and my brother and my sister had gotten to this like three-way fight. Mm -hmm. And like, it was so annoying and it was so just in my face and it was all I could think about. I was just so angry. Mm. And I don't even remember why. (laughs) I don't remember what the fight was. But I remember my mom saying, have you given it to God? And so in that sense, she's meaning my anger, my feelings yeah. and all this stuff. And I'm like, what, what? how am I just supposed to give up these feelings? Mm. Like, that's so hard. Like, 
when you're mad at someone, you're mad at someone. Yeah. And like you just sometimes time is the only thing that can heal that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that God can't. That's not what I'm saying here. But when you pray and say, God, relinquish this anger from me, and you still have it, and even though you were just as genuine as you could be in prayer of that, and you still have it, you automatically start thinking, did I do something wrong? Did I not say the right words? Mm-hmm. Did Is it because, like, uh, I don't know. There's a multitude of things that just start going through your head. Yeah. It's I, I like that you touched on time there because I, I do wanna I do wanna clarify uh, for those listening. Yes, we do throw ourselves at Jesus' feet, but that that doesn't mean that along this road of following Christ that things don't get better. Uh, because things do get better, but like you said, a lot of it it takes time, whether that's surrendering things or not. I know in my life, uh, for example, This idea of having giving it to the Lord—it's something you sort of have to do every day. Absolutely. Uh, I remember uh, in college not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. I was very confused, and getting the 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 response from several people: "Have you given it to the Lord?" I'm like, "Yes, I have," and I'm going to keep giving. Just waiting on an answer now. (laughs) Yeah, and still just not knowing. Uh, But that's that's the kind of thing where. Yes, that phrase, have you given it to the Lord, is an okay phrase. But we need to know that you have to give it to the Lord every single day. And that when you do give it to the Lord, it won't necessarily, like we've been talking about, turn out how you want it And it to. doesn't mean that whatever you're giving to the Lord mm-hmm. is just going to disappear. Yeah, it takes it takes time. I know this is, so I, I need to share this story. I, I have allergies, pretty bad allergies, oh, right? Yeah. And a year and a half ago, I think I was sniffing a lot or blowing my nose. And this is, I was working in an office at seminary. It was on a side job. And I was sniffing a lot. And there was this temp uh, lady that was working in the office. And she turned to me. She turned around and she says, oh, honey, that doesn't sound good. Have you gotten checked out? And I was like, well, you know, I haven't really gotten checked out. It's just allergies. And she said, well, have you prayed about it? Have you given it to the Lord yet? And I, I, I don't think she said given it to the Lord, but her assumption, she was saying, have you prayed about it? Have you asked? She said this. Yes, I remember now. She said, have you asked God to take it away? And I said, no, I, I, <laughs> I haven't really. But that's the kind of thing where it was funny. She said, well, if you pray about it, God will take away your allergies. And there's, there's that. And I just, <laughs> I respectfully, you know, was like, okay, thank you so much for that advice. Uh, God might work in that sometimes, yeah. in some ways, but not always. He doesn't yeah. <laughs> always work about working that way. And it's just funny. One of those situations where that, um, yeah, these these phrases they're all around, and these assumptions that when we give things to God, that He'll work it out exactly how we want it to. Uh, but the thing is, we can give everything to God and fall completely at Jesus's feet, and still struggle with addiction, still struggle mm-hmm. with temptation and not get what we want. Exactly. And that's a hard process to learn. It's still something that takes a lifetime to learn, uh, but that's the truth. Yeah, and I hope those listening hear us and understand us that we do believe God can do these things. He can. Like, we know that, and I've seen it in my own life of God working in ways that I never anticipated Mm -hmm. and doing miraculous things. But... 
that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when God is not answering mm-hmm. when you give something to him? Well, and it's good that it's not the case because then we would be in control. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's but and it turns it turns God into the Harry Potter God. Yeah. We're like the right words with the right wand movement <laughs> equals a God showing up and doing what you want. Slot machine Jesus. Yes, slot machine. Yes. Wait for, yes. wait for those sevens. To oh pop my up. gosh! Yeah. Anyways, uh, what what any last take home things that you would say to our listeners? Again, people, what what yeah. would you what would you say to someone? So, someone that you know that's struggling with addiction, what is something that we can say? Addiction, or they just need a word of actual encouragement. What's something that we can say uh, that avoids some of the pitfalls of these three phrases? So, I think it goes back to kind of our conversation last week about meeting people where they're at, mm-hmm. and not only meeting people where they're at, but. I do believe prayer does help situations. So, but I think that we've turned the whole I'll be praying for you thing. And like, do you really pray for me? Mm -hmm. Like, are you really taking time out of your day to think of me and to lift a prayer to God's feet for me? Like, are you doing that? And I feel like it's just a typical response we give sometimes. But I think... Praying for someone is huge. Mm-hmm. I think that is a good first movement. Not necessarily advertising it, mm-hmm. like saying, I'm going to pray for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's ne- a necessity. I think, but actually praying for the person is huge. One, like you said, our struggles with this is individualism a lot, that that's your sin, you take care of it. So I love that you're saying that, that praying for someone uh, is huge because it makes it in us thing too. Yeah. And then I also think just giving support Mm -hmm. and not letting the person feel like they're the scum of the earth, Mm -hmm. even though like in society's viewpoints and standards, they might be, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, they are still a child of God and have the image of God in them. Mm -hmm. And so meeting people where they're at and actually praying for them and giving them the support that they really need, not the phrase that they need, Mm. but the being present and just being there for them. Mm -hmm. I think those are the best things that you can do for anyone who's struggling with anything. Mm -hmm. And if I can add too, a part of that being present is being in, you've talked about this too, the being humble aspect that you might feel like you're the scum of the earth, but we read here in the Bible that Paul felt like he was the scum mm-hmm. of the earth, that we feel like we're the scum of the earth, and that's the truth. We all are so sinful, and your sins, like you said, might be worse in society's eyes, or you might be struggling with this addiction that I'm not. But you don't have to pick, it's not a, oh, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. We all are struggling a lot. And so a part of that being present is that that being humble and making sure that that other person knows you're on the same level. And then what can happen is then we can point to Jesus. Because he is, he's the way out. He's the only he's way the that, hope. he's the hope that we have. The only hope, uh, the only hope. As Pastor Jim likes us. to say, the, the only, only hope, hope the world has ever known. That's right. The only hope this world has ever known. Uh, and then lastly, surrendering it to God. Uh, 
I, I do think it's important to take away what you said, that the, the time aspect, that we got to keep surrendering it to God and we won't always get the answer that we want. Um, but that kind of surrender, giving to God, it's a process. And we need to know that it's not going to be according to our plan. Uh, God may not give us the answers we want, uh, but to keep wrestling with them. And I think that's something that people will struggle with mm-hmm. is the whole my plans versus God's plans. Yeah. Because we think that, especially as Christians, that our plans are God's plans. That's something I struggle. That's something yeah. I struggle with, dude. You preach like <laughs> I. I know the feeling. Yeah, you can get wrapped up in thinking because I serve this Almighty God that like my my plans are His plans. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's not always the case, and yeah. we 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 stray from the path when we think that we're on the path. Hmm. So yeah. Preach it. Oh. That's good. We just we just want to say thank you to all of you who are listening right now. Uh, this is episode two. We're going to keep releasing episodes every single week. Uh, this is a three-episode series of Christian catchphrases, but uh, make sure that you reach out to us. You can email us at thecurioushopepodcast at gmail.com. We want to talk about some of the catchphrases that you've heard, so please email us some of the catchphrases that you'd like us to talk about. Or if you just have comments, if you say, hey, that's something that stuck out or this was confusing, send us an email and we'll yeah. talk about it on air. Uh, Pastor or Nate's coming questions. in for this third episode. Or questions. Yeah, if you're, if you're listening and a question pops into your head, jot that bad boy down and send it in. Send it we in. We would love to answer some of your questions. I know that some of the stuff that we're talking about isn't always uh, – I don't know, the easiest thing to think about and comprehend all the time. But it's hard to wrestle with this yeah. stuff. It and so if you have me. questions or something that pops up into your head that you'd like us to elaborate a little bit more on, please send in those questions. Yeah, absolutely. So make sure that you send those questions in. Uh, share this podcast with your friends if you like it. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts because the more ratings we have, the more people will see it. The more exposure. The more exposure. Yeah. Uh, give it a follow. Give it a like, a share, whatever you can to help spread the word. Uh, that's all we've got. I've been your boy, Pastor Nate. And Pastor Nate will be here with us next week as well to wrap up our series. Uh, thank you all. Have a good week. <laughs>